is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. We just want to say thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listener today. And remember, remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure you leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate that. And guys, if you, have, if you did not know, you've been hiding on the rock and you just don't know what's going on in the world today. ATL Day Ones is on Amazon Fire and Roku. So yeah, go ahead and download that app on the TV. It looks so smooth when I scroll through my apps on the television. Yeah, I have a smart TV. Yeah, I'm, I'm with the times. I'm cool. I'm hip. Yeah, that's how I get down. And y'all, just don't, those of you didn't know, we have the sideline reporter right here for the College Park Skyhawks G League team for the Atlanta Hawks. Woo, we're going to get into them. But first, we got to talk about what is going on with the Atlanta Braves. They evened up the series last night. Kyle Wright gave a masterful performance. And the Atlanta Falcons, what are they going to do? Is Marcus Mariota more comfortable this time around with Arthur Smith? We'll talk about that. And last but not least, and for the Culture. Daniel Snyder got all the tea on everybody. But before we get into that, we have to talk about the Braves getting the dub last night. 3-2-0. Kyle Wright goes six innings. Pitched the shutout T. Oh, like what could we more what more can we have asked for from Kyle Wright as far as a pitcher and coming into this this series to this game down 0-1? Nothing else. I mean, he was absolutely masterful from the first inning. 11 pitches is all it took for him to get out of the first inning. So that told you all you need to know to walk away from that frame yes. with just 11 pitches and just to continue one walk, only one walk on, on the night. That was also impressive. Six strikeouts, but it was also just the poise. Like he right. understood the assignment. He kept himself steady for three hours. Jarvis, I can't imagine knowing all that pressure on you that you need to be the one that sets the pace for this team to get a win so that they don't go in a two down 0-2 hole headed to Philly and yet he responded masterfully so for anybody who was thinking I don't know about Kyle Wright yeah he's got the 21 wins but I don't really know he's kind of shaky I hope he answered your questions and I hope he put away all your concerns because he did that but I gotta also give it to the same group that you and I have been talking about for the last three days my god AJ Minter Russell Iglesias and Kenley Jansen I mean, AJ Mentor out here mowing folks down. On the night shift. We said it might be the difference in that yep. game, might be the bullpen, because think about it. You get to the fifth inning, Wheeler and, and Wright are pretty much one to yeah. punch. And neck and neck, yeah. Are falling apart in the sixth inning. We talked about that too. It was going to fall apart probably on defense. And then what happens? Your bullpen steps up, their bullpen can't. This is game. <laughs> And then Matt Olson comes through like he's been doing. I think that, you know, they gave a show the stat last night about, you know, runners in scoring position and how Matt has been doing so well as of late. And that's what you want from the guy who's replacing Freddie Freeman. So uh, um, that's that's no that was so promising to see something like that um, from the uh, Braves first baseman. Now, T, um, uh, Brian Snick has been very coy about 
who's going to start tomorrow in game three because you know you're going back to Philadelphia and that is going to be a ruckus crowd because you know there was a little things going on in Truist Park where a Philadelphia fan got into it with the Braves fan so they were already getting riled up we know they're going to be riled up when you're going back home to game three do you think uh, old Snit is playing a little check, chess or checkers when it comes to who's going to be the starter in game three? Oh, no, our guy plays chess, no doubt. He yeah. showed you that last night because he had A.J. Minter out there, right? right? And he comes back in the next inning, and he brings him out, and he lets him warm up, and then he brings out Rasil Iglesias. <laughs> kind of play some mind games. Yeah, I'm not it. mad at that. It. So, yes, I am excited that Snit is saying – I'm going to hold out until the very end, see what my guy Spencer is capable of, but see if whether or not it makes sense to try to go for Charlie, Charlie Morton, because we all have to agree that maybe the last couple of starts were not as shaky as maybe the 10 before that. So I, I love that he's just playing the, the, the chess and not the checkers game, because I do think that that's the kind of thing you're going to have to do in this, which I believe this is probably a five game series. Yeah, and, and when you think about it, that's that's the thing that Snit's going to have to take in consideration, whether or not he thinks that it's going to go five. I mean, I I don't necessarily believe that that you should be thinking like that, but, you know, as a manager, you have to think about the now and, you know, in the potentially the future as well. So I'm not mm-hmm. too too concerned about that, but I think that's one of the things that we definitely got to keep an eye on because I would love for Spencer Strider to be, you know, that guy in game three because we know how he's done against the Phillies and he's absolutely dominated. Now, yeah. one last thing last night, Ronald Acuna Jr. gets hit by a pitch. He looked like he was in excruciating pain, T. I, I think that is this something that we're going to have to be concerned about going forward? You, you could. The one thing I would say is, again, Snit is very smart and he's very careful. So I do believe that he'll take a look at it, kind of evaluate. I will tell you this, Jarvis, the one good thing is that there is a rest day and a travel day. So that should yes. help you his elbow just a bit but if snit is saying hey you're not 100 i don't want you out there fielding i don't want you out there throwing then the question becomes okay who's going to go in right field and do you just want Acuna jr to at least be able to dh which of course that means you got to kind of switch some things out but i think he'll ultimately be okay i think the day of rest will help him i think it's going to be a literally a game day game game day and game time decision and, you know, I have no problem with it. Like like I said, I would love for Spencer Strider to get his thing going. Um, but, like yeah. I said, if Ch- Uncle Charlie goes, you hope that that postseason experience kicks in and, and he does exactly what he needs to do. Now, you know, let's talk about the Atlanta Hawks. They got, a, they got into a little preseason game with the Cleveland Cavaliers last night. T, 105 to 99. I don't really care about the final score, so to speak, but – we saw two guys that got some playing time last night that I thought was very interesting. And I, and I, I want kind of you to touch on this. Jalen uh, Johnson got some time, and A.J. Griffin was the first sub coming off the bench. I think when you talk, you're talking about some rookies being able to contribute this year. I think the Hawks may have something going here. Yes, and it's so interesting, Jarvis, because most people remember last year they were deriding – Nate McMillan, left and right. Hey, yeah. you know, get those rookies out there. Give them a shot. Give them a shot. Right. And it took him a while, but when he finally gave Jalen Johnson his shot after Jalen had proven himself with the Skyhawks going back and forth, coming up and down, he kept him in there with some quality minutes. And I see that he's being proactive this season to keep his guys, to give A.J. Griffin an earlier look because, hey, you're going to need to go all the way down that bench because you want to keep Bogey healthy. You want to keep uh, – 
uh, hunter healthy, you just want to be able to have that flexibility and versatility. So you need to give them game day action and real time game action as often as you can. No doubt about it. That is something that we're definitely going to have to keep an eye on as the Atlanta Hawks take have the state open home opener in State Farm Arena on the 19th. And yeah. we will definitely be, ATL Day 1s will definitely be in the building for sure. You better check that thing out. Now, we also wanted you to check out, I've been trying to tell y'all about betonline.net. It is the place to go when you're talking about all having all of your needs for all your sports wagering information because I've been kind of struggling a little bit, T, because I've been trying to figure out what the Georgia Bulldogs are going to go this year. You know, there are some times where they actually covered their spread, and there were some times, like against Kent State, I was just like, oh, my God, that is a big number. But guess what I did? I went to betonline.net and found out that, you know what? I ain't messing with it. I ain't touching that bad boy because I've been watching how the Georgia yeah. Bulldogs have gotten off the slow starts, and they haven't been scoring the points like they're supposed to. So, you know, that's – you can do exactly what I did. Go to betonline.net. They even have podcasts. You listen to us as a podcast to get information about the local Atlanta sports scene, go to betonline.net to get all your sports wagering information that you're going to need. They're going to hook you up. I'm telling you. Go and get some money because that's what it's all about in 2022. Go and get that money and go ahead and do that because if you don't remember thing, anything else about what I just said in the last minute or so, Bet Online is where the game starts. Well, Jarvis, it's just three days, T minus three days to coming back home to the Benz that is for the Atlanta Falcons. They, of course, have the daunting task of taking on one of the surprise teams in the league doing so well. That is the San Francisco 49ers, right? Now, right. one of the things that we're looking at and what we hope to see in not just the Falcons being competitive, but let's just be honest with this thing in giving them a true opportunity to win a game. And that is seeing some more productivity on offense. And you know where that starts under center. Now, Marcus Mariota talked about what has kind of been that difference from him for him this time around, because, of course, we know he was in Tennessee with Arthur Smith when Arthur Smith was the OC. He said he felt like there kind of never communicated things that he liked, things he's seeing. He always felt kind of like he was just trying to please the coaches. Well, not this time. Arthur Smith is being receptive to what Mariota has to say. And do you think maybe because Arthur Smith is receptive to what Mariota is saying, Mariota is receiving the message from Arthur Smith that we will finally see some things clicking on all cylinders that might actually help the pass game, but that has also helped so far this run game. You know what? I, I think that yes, to answer your question, yes, I believe so because there there is a maturity factor that that was in that that statement that I believe yeah. Marcus Mariota has to understand and and I think he under fully understands it. That's why he's able to give some feedback as to like, okay, here's what I feel more comfortable about doing, and yeah. here's and from Arthur Smith's standpoint. Here's what I feel more comfortable about you doing. And right. hopefully those things match up during the week as they go through the game plan. So I think that that's something because let's face it, like I will continue to say this. Like Arthur Smith is one of the, is a really good play caller. He's and he's he's exemplified that since his first year mm -hmm. as, as, as head coach for this team. And he's doing that again in his second year because he understands what he's working with because we know we've talked about it. We've gone back and looked at the film and, and say, hey, 
Marcus Mariota isn't the guy that's going to be, hey, I'm hitting my third, my, my first read here is not there. I'm going to hit my second read. My second read is not there. I'm going to my third read. Yeah. Third read not there. I'm going to hit the check down. Check we're, down going, we're going to process that within probably about three, two three. and a half seconds. Yeah. That's it's not going to happen. <laughs> that's not going to happen. So I think that for him, for Marcus Mariota to understand what he feels comfortable doing, and then for Arthur Smith to be able to say, hey, I'm not going to put you in position to do something to, to make you uncomfortable, especially when you're coming up against the defense by that, like the San Francisco 49ers and a guy, and they're being coached by a guy who should be a head coach next year, hands down, and D'Amico Ryans. No uh, that's a, that's a, a recipe for success in my eyes because – and I think they got a nice little taste of it last week against Tampa Bay Buccaneers because, hey, we know those guys are willing to walk up guys and, and send pressures from everywhere, and Ryan's is going to do the same thing. So I think that they got a nice little precursor to what they were going to see uh, this week, and I think you're going to see a lot of more, a lot more quick screens and Mario mm-hmm. to getting the ball out of his hands as quick as possible. Yeah. And, of course, you know – for um, if if the the world is coming to an end, if they're not going to work that play action team, <laughs> right. exactly that would shock you, me, and like you said, the rest of the world. But you, you made a couple of great points in there as well that I want to go back to, and one of those things is the fact that yes, this will be like 2.0 for the Falcons. They saw it last last week. But more importantly, Jarvis, they mastered it the second half. So that's really a good thing. That, to me, makes me confident that the Falcons are going to be able to hit the ground running early because I do believe they need to get off to an early start. And I'm not talking about a field goal here. I'm talking about getting seven on the board early and really being able to dictate the flow of the game. And I do think that, like you said, part of the reason that that run game has been so successful is because, if nothing else, Mariota, for the most part, does know how to kind of as a mature quarterback does know how to at least rally the troops and make sure that people are where they're supposed to be and that plays get off the ground. Because, yeah, I do understand that we talk about the fumbles and they are absolutely annoying and unacceptable at this stage of his career, but he doesn't just snap the ball one time. So if he snaps the ball 50 times, 60 times a game, and there's one fumble, then that means something is going well enough to be able to execute six straight runs that ultimately lead you to a score. And the week before that, 14 straight runs, 10 of which led you to a score. So I think you make a great point about his maturity and his evolution of his relationship with Arthur Smith directly impacting the other side of the game. Now we just have to kind of see it impact the passing game. And I think you're on to something. It's quick screens. It's being able to just do your reads, even if it's just a little bit faster. That should help it out tremendously. But another thing, another thing that I think is going to help out potentially is if he gets Kyle Pitts back. And yes, I know that people have been saying Kyle Pitts isn't targeted enough. We agree on this show. ATL Day Ones agrees with you. However, there was a moment, I would say Jarvis, not maybe last week or maybe the week before, where we saw him start to get more. I believe he got uh, seven or eight targets and picked up, you know, six or five or six receptions, right? Right. If we go back to that, and if Kyle Wright's hammy is kind of back in working order, for lack of a better term, which he was at practice yesterday, looked pretty decent, then how much man how much more would that improve Dave Ragone and Arthur Smith's ability to craft the type of game plan that will suit Marcus Mariota and give the running attack a complimentary passing attack all because KP might be back 
Oh, it's going. It'll be huge because yeah. when we talked when we talked about how when we f- figured out that Kyle Pitts wasn't going to go last week, yeah, well, we understood. Yeah. I, I, I kind of laid out. I laid out what it was when you mm-hmm. talk about recognizing form personnel and trying to figure out where they are and whether what are they more likely to do, mm-hmm. right? If they coming out, if they have a one tight end and uh, two running backs, oh, more than likely they're going to be it's going to be a run. So hey, I can call my defense accordingly, right? So I can come out of my base. Uh, formation but mm-hmm. when you have a guy like Kyle Pitts who's that tight end he can split out wide and line up at, at, at a Z on the backside or yeah. he can line up at the X he can line up in the slot so yeah. he can move him around so wait I think there's a there is a, a, a like we talk about Brian Snicker playing chess the Arthur Smith can play chess with D'Amico yeah. Ryan's and saying hey you know, here's what I'm throwing at you. You might mm-hmm. think this is a run formation but hey we might come out in the spread and we can go to work with this bad boy because I think Kyle Pitts coupled with the the continued evolution of Drake London because so many people focus on what Kyle Pitts is, isn't mm-hmm. doing. I think we need to be focused on what Drake London is doing yeah. because this guy has been making big catch after big catch mm-hmm. and just showing off that, hey, this guy was worth the pick that way he was drafted by the Falcons. You understand now why Terry Fondo and Arthur Smith kind of fell in love with this dude during the whole draft process this year. Yeah. So, I think with Kyle Pitts coming back and mm-hmm. Drake London continuing to do what he does and being able to play around with those formations and say, hey, this may look like a run formation on paper, but hey, when you have Kyle Pitts come out there and Drake London line up next to each other and Kyle Pitts is in the slot, you're like, wait a minute, hold on now. let's." And that's that little instance of mm-hmm. a thought. That can be the difference between a play going for two yards on a play action or a quick mm-hmm. pass or – Taking it, taking them deep for thirty, and, and or maybe even taking it to the house for six. Those the yes. those just the little things that in NFL that can be the big difference. T. And I think that they Falcons should be able to take advantage of that if mm-hmm. Kyle Pitts is able to go. Yes, and we also saw something that we really liked from both Drake London and Kyle Pitts. You have two big bodies, right? You have a big right. body wide receiver that still has the speed, and then you have a big body tight end that is like a kind of a unicorn of a, of a wide receiver. So yes. one of the things Kyle Pitts said in post-practice uh, Wednesday was, hey, we already know what we're going to be up against. We know we're going to be up against a very, very physical team. So we know we have to match that physicality. And I believe when you have KP in there, it gives you one more body to match the physicality. That takes nothing away, by the way, from a Parker Hesse, if you will, in terms of being able to give Arthur Smith and Dave are going another blocking tight end to work with. But I mm. think it's something to be said about somebody who, like Kyle Pitts, has taken the initiative to say, but that's a skill that I want to work on. And if you're dealing with some big bodies, then that's what you want to counter that. Right. So good to have him back to practice. Hope we'll see him Sunday. And listen, this is the thing that I like to say as well. When I'm thinking about all of these things, whether like Jarvis said, we're watching tape and we're seeing, okay, frustration. We're almost over the graded Jared thing, but not quite. So when we get frustration- or like, working on that. <laughs> right, right, or like last night when it's like this pitching duel in the fifth inning and you're just like pacing around, pacing around. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I like to at least pace around with something healthy, like a built bar, because yes. we know what else we can do when we pace around, right? Get yourself something healthy. We're talking about only 160 grams of fat and yet or 160 calories right yeah and yet only 15 grams of protein or 15 grams of protein that's pretty darn good and so get yourself some of those chocolate puffs 100 percent chocolate i mean that should be able to keep you 
very, very steady, especially because we all know that game four, game three of this series on Friday is going to be super duper intense. So if you want to know more, you check out BuiltBars.com. We've got a new discount code for you guys. Lock 15, right, Jarvis? Locked on 15. Locked on 15. Yeah. 15. So we've 15%. got a new code for you. We're going to say it again. Locked on, on 15. 15. Go to BuiltBars.com. Get yourself a healthy snack so that whether you are at the set, watching Braves on Friday, or you're listening to the Hawks Friday night, or you are watching Falcon Sunday, you got something healthy to do it with. All right, guys. Final segment of ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanisha. Just want to say thank you for rocking with us throughout the entire show. Uh, you guys have been doing y'all thing when it comes to subscribing to our YouTube channel right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. If you have not done so, go ahead and do it because we're up over 4,500 subscribers. So that's 4,500 people that are in front of you. So you need to catch up. But T, this is For The Culture. It is the intersection between sports, culture, and entertainment. And sometimes what do we want to talk about? Because that's just how we get down on the show. Today is no different. Now, for those you don't know, Daniel Snyder has been uh, a very hot topic. You know, when it comes to investigations and you know, uh, culture lawsuits and cheerleaders uh, accusing him of trying to get with him on the planes right. and naked photos being passed around amongst the executives and it was just oh my goodness just a lot going on with with daniel snyder and i know for me t i've been trying to re realize or figure out why this dude is still an owner in the nfl because you know they forced guys to sell that team before it happens they yep. it takes tw 24 votes to get them out of there and we know mm -hmm. if, more than likely if you do enough that's probably more than likely going to happen but Daniel Snyder has kind of escaped the goat. Now, with this report coming out from ESPN, mm -hmm. where, of course, talked to some anonymous sources, and they were saying that, you know, Daniel Snyder says he got all the tea on owners and Roger Goodell, and this dude has gone as far as to hire private investigators to make sure he got some tea or got some, got some of the dirt on all, the, all of his uh, colleagues. Well, you know, he's shown us from day one that he was going to be Teflon Don somehow, <laughs> some way. Yes, and has perfect. he not nervous? Teflon Dan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all we're doing is talking. Has any action really been taken against him? No, not by the government, not by the league. So right. he understands that all he has to do is keep doing whatever it is that he's been doing. And funny thing that you say it that way, because in my mind, I thought, yeah, Dan Snyder knows where those bodies are. Yes. I've been saying it too. The same thing. Other sets of bodies are buried. Because <laughs> I, I venture to say, okay, I'm not going to even say 31, right? Maybe there are some clean owners out there. Maybe right, two. Yeah. But I bet he knows where about 25 sets of bones are buried. And more importantly, there's a pecking order right. in the group of owners. Mm -hmm. And if he has information or dirt or the tea on the right ones, Robert Kraft or Jerry Jones, Jerry. Uh, you know, there's, uh, okay. okay. Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Jerry. If he has it on those guys who really do, you know, have a, a wield some different kind of power. That's when you can actually kind of leverage and kind of dictate things more so than we'll ever know. Right. So yeah, I listen. I don't like it because some of the things that he's done are really, really nasty and egregious. But I will tell you this: if he's still in the league, that means that he has tea, dirt, 
or body bags that are just as dirty on the rest of those owners as his are. Otherwise, he would have been out of there by now. That's yeah. why Jarvis, if, if I can just uh, say this real quick, I, quick, I just mm-hmm. thought about this. That's mm-hmm. why the NBA, you're out of there because none of those owners are afraid of what you got on them because they, they're they a little bit cleaner with theirs. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and to be, and I think that when you when you kind of line these leagues up right, it seems like it would probably be a little bit easier to get into the the good old boy club in the NBA versus the NFL because the NF the NBA it's old money, but NFL that's that long long money. <laughs> and and for Daniel Snyder to be on these guys' level, like he hey. came into the league in 1999. He was 34 years old when he became an owner. And $800 million. He bought the team for $800 million. And he came in raising a lot of sand because, you know, he it was a time where he tried to make a bid for a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And it was between he uh, at FedEx Field and it was between he and the uh, Arizona, the Bidwells. Mm-hmm. And he was basically – as much as he was trying to lift up FedEx Field and, and try to get them to get the Super Bowl, he mm-hmm. was just talking just as bad about the Bidwells and the Cardinals. And they're beloved amongst everybody. Everybody <laughs> loves the Bidwells amongst the owners. So it's just like this dude has been raising sand and being doing whatever the hell he wants to do for quite some time. And I think that when you have a guy like that, mm-hmm. you almost got to know where the bodies are buried in order for, in order for them to kind of, you know, let you know that there is something there's something there and I always thought it was something there because I was like there's too much stuff he's got just been in and out of investigation and just people and then the report also said that no owner likes him like nobody likes Daniel Snyder and even Jerry Jones who is a you know a a confidant who has championed uh, the owners to stay away from him and kind of back off and he even is when Jerry Jones takes his hands off of you you got to know something you got to know something ain't right to you and I think that as this, this story moves forward I don't know because he's gone this long without having to sell his team I don't know if this report is going to be the thing that puts it over the top but when you think about what Dan Snyder has done and, and, and the things how people have known him to be how much horribly bad that organization has been run yeah it, it seems like it makes sense to for him to force him to sell a team but i don't know what it's going to take for that to actually happen now yeah last, last but not least I, I thought this story was funny um jason kelsey and travis kelsey obviously brothers jason yeah. kelsey is a center who played for the philadelphia eagles travis kelsey is a tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, probably mm-hmm. the best tight end in the NFL. You know, if you want to have a conversation about it, that's cool. But, you know, hey, he's in that conversation. Yeah. They were talking about, you know, what position was is so hard, the hardest position to play in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people would say quarterback immediately, first one comes to mind. But And Jason Kelsey was making a point for cornerback being the hardest position. And in making that point, T, mm-hmm. he went as far as to say that, hey, even white people, can't play that position <laughs> you know and you think about it like here's a white man talking about hey you know they just make white people just move away from the position they don't even let you play it anymore because last time we saw a cornerback what jason seahorn was a starting corner that's the last time we saw a white corner in the nfl and i just thought it was just so funny that jason was made the point established his point and it kind of basically basically brought it home for me when he was trying to figure out who was the uh, hardest position to ever to play in the NFL today? Yeah, Jarvis, I think that was really interesting because I always say O linemen are different. They're 
a bit more cerebral. And yes. so I'm always intrigued by their thought process. I like where he went with it. And if you know Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey, they think a little differently. If you yes. want to know, go check them out. Go Google them. You'll know exactly yes. what you want. IG page. <clears throat> Kelsey, just saying. <laughs> but ultimately, my mind went to, I went a little bit more textbook with it. I said running back because the running back by far takes so much bruising, especially if you have hard runners like Cordero Patterson. Yes. and. When you look at the lifespan of a football player, by far, the running back's lifespan is the shortest, his, right. his career span. So that was my vote. What was yours? You know, I, I got to go to a corner, cornerback. That is a hard position to play because when you think about it, you're backpedaling when guys are running full speed, running forward, which is what you're supposed to do as a human mm-hmm. being. And you have to sit there and stay with someone as you're backpedaling, which is yeah. not a normal function. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that when you think about when you put it from, Thinking about it from that standpoint, I just like just from a functional standpoint and yeah. what you're supposed to do and not be able to do at a high level. Yeah, I have to go with cornerback because, yeah, yeah. Jason Kelsey was was spot on when he said that. He's like, yeah. like even even white people, the majority of people uh, race in this country can't play it. And they steer people away from it all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's very hard. Right. Well, that's <laughs> why you have people like the one you love so much, Deion Sanders. That's I why do. you have. That's why you have so much respect for him, because like you said, he is literally running against the grain and being able to still reset himself and shut folks down. So you love to see it. And what we hope you love to see is us here on ATL Day Ones. You can see us on Amazon Fire. You can see us on Roku. So check us out on the big screen. Check out everybody on Locked On Sports Atlanta Network on the big screen. And once you do that today, if you have a little bit of time to binge watch, go ahead and check out A to Z with Mark Zeno, because I'm sure that's going to be fun to listen to, especially coming off a Braves win. Speaking of win, we hope the Braves get to do it tomorrow. We're going to preview game three of Braves Phillies. We're going to talk a little bit keys to the game for the Falcons to get that win over the 49ers and anything else on the sports landscape of Atlanta. We will bring it to you tomorrow. So thanks again for stopping by. The day is going up and down with the sun. So I hope it's a beautiful day for you, despite what's going on out there. Peace. I'll come back now, you hear American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20.